hand him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Yes, folks, another episode of the spoiler room. This one's a little different. Uh, we're getting topical. Yes, we're putting some topical ointment on the spoiler room this evening as uh, we're going to discuss. Uh, well, I guess the way you could say it, as I put it, is uh, fans versus the creator versus studios. Who really owns a creative product? Who who actually controls the shape of it, the direction that it takes? Age of the Internet really has changed this over the years, but uh, we've also had fan fiction, many different things. You've seen fan art out there based off of creative property from big studios. But who really owns those creative products and who's allowed to actually do stuff with them? Well, tonight we're going to talk about it a little bit. Now, before we get started, I just want to say yes, monetarily, legally, yes, okay. Okay, people who created copyright laws and that, but even there, there's some gray area. So we're just going to get that out of the way. We're talking about the creative product and the direction it goes itself. And this is all based off of Mr. Gonzarific himself, Andrew Shearer's suggestion on this uh, for our fourth anniversary. And I liked the idea so much, I decided we would do this tonight. And he is with us here in the spoiler room. Hello, Andrew. How are you today? Or should I say the lovely Andrew Shearer? Thanks, man. Hey, I want to tell you a story. Sure. When I was uh, in first grade, there was a drawing contest, and then the whole school um, was allowed to enter. And um, I drew a picture, and it won. And the prize was uh, an ice cream party for my entire class. Sweet. And um, I didn't want to go to the party. Really? Yeah, because they weren't my friends. I didn't really <laughs> like anybody, and I, I distinctly remember... Um, the teacher, like putting her hand on my back, I'm looking in the cafeteria and there's all these kids eating ice cream that I didn't like. And she was like, but you won, this was your, you know, this happened because of you. And I'm like, no, I just want to go read a book. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, yeah, I almost didn't come to this, but I'm glad. I did. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you made it though. I'm glad you could be here. Yeah, no, it's because I like you guys and I didn't like them. So let's have some ice cream. Let's yeah. let's have some ice cream. Yes, and uh, next to Andrew is the BFD himself, Mr. Glenn Bittner, is in the spoiler room. Hello, Glenn. I want some fucking ice cream. <laughs> now Glenn wants ice cream. <laughs> Do they fuck ice cream in Wisconsin? That could probably be a thing. Well, you know, it does get cold around here a lot. So, <laughs> you know, we do get those humid summers too. So, uh, <laughs> we do, we, it, it would be custard here probably. It would be custard. Yeah, it would be custard. <laughs> I'm and, fucking disgusted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's self molding, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the soft serve machine has a whole new meaning, man. Oh, my. <laughs> And next, Andrew, on the other side is Bowtie Man himself. Mr. Paul Salzer is back. Hello, Paul. Hello. How is everyone tonight? 
We're doing well. Would you like some ice cream? <laughs> uh, I, because I used to work at a custard shop uh, as a fountainist. I, 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 I know. I do prefer. I do prefer custard over over uh, ice cream. <laughs> so you prefer to have sex with custard over uh, ice cream versus regular ice cream? It is a much better product for sex. Yes. <laughs> Note to self, never go to custard shop again. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't whipped cream, boy. Uh, oh where do these sprinkles come from? <laughs> <laughs> and next to Paul already, we're off to a fiery start. <clears throat> next to Paul is uh, Doctavius, Mr. Stephen. How are you tonight? I am a citizen of the universe on a gentleman to boot. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Wow. Took all the gravitas out of that with all this ice cream talk. (laughs) You really just ended the ice cream, man. No, the main... uh, I I got to be very gentlemanly over the weekend a couple of times, so that was in my head. You know, being Uh, polite. When you're backstage, you be polite, so I was very polite. (laughs) I was told, ah, I don't care, and I'm like, all right, that's all right. I can still be a gentleman. (laughs) Well, you, you are a gentleman and a scholar, as you all are tonight, for joining us here to talking about this. And uh, let's start off with uh, Mr. Gonzerific. Andrew, why don't you tell me a little bit where uh, this idea came from? You were talking about a documentary you saw? Yeah, it was a couple of things. I think probably the first one was, and these two things happened like within the same two days or whatever. Uh, they put out that they were going to start the Matrix over again. Yes. And then all of a sudden, everybody's got an opinion of what it should be, and they already know what it's going to be like, and that it won't be going to like, I, I hate the internet. And then I watched this documentary, 24 by 36, and it is about uh, movie posters, in particular, uh, the um, alternative poster movement, the Mondo, you know what I mean? All right. those really cool ones that have, you know, some of them have gone on to become steelbook covers. Well, you know, it's a whole market and a big collector thing, and it's all spawned by um fandom and some of these great artists in there and they touch on the part about uh licensing and almost every single artist goes oh to do a poster for like back to the future or whatever it is we've done yes we go to the studio or whoever owns it and obtain the license to make a poster that we're then going to make money off of but one guy says no he doesn't obtain the licenses because he feels that the fans helped make it a success and therefore have some kind of ownership over it. And I'm like, that's the whole problem, the feeling of entitlement and ownership. But then I go see alien covenant over the weekend. And we all know that Ridley Scott, because of what the fans didn't like Prometheus, this, you know, he goes and makes a completely different kind of movie and just gives them what they want. And they don't even like that. And so mm-hmm. I, it, it just it just made me go like, dude, things have got, you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're kind of like way out of hand, you know what I mean? And uh, so I just was like, well, do, does anyone I know actually feel like they, you know what I'm saying? Like have a, a, a stake in it somehow, aside from just having an opinion about everything. But clearly, they're affecting the way the movies go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Covenant's a perfect example of that. Had nobody piped up about, oh, no, there's not enough aliens in it. He would have made, you know what I'm saying, like a whole different movie probably. Probably a better movie. Well, yeah, especially with these alien films, it almost felt initially when he did Prometheus, like 
at first people are like, oh, this is, you know, prequel to the alien universe, prequel to the alien. And, and I looked at it almost as, dude, he's pulling a J.J. Abrams Star Trek on the universe <laughs> that he created almost. At least that's the feeling I got with it. I'm like, quit trying to, you know, just shoehorn it with the other. Yeah, it's dealing with aliens, but uh, but the fans, you're right. I mean, now I dug Alien Covenant, but I see that that there's a lot more alien elements, elements that from the original that uh, end up being in this one, which was interesting because it's felt more like the supposed to be a Prometheus sequel. Yet at the same time, he has a lot of those alien effects in there. And, you know, with the age of the Internet and especially fan outrage being what it is, uh, it is kind of scary in a way of how it's starting to affect films. Glenn, would you say that that Internet outrage is starting to affect the way some of these creators are doing their films? I don't know how much it affects the creators. I mean, I think it, it, it might influence the studios. Well, as studios, excuse me. Yeah, yeah maybe okay. so um, possibly. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I still think that when it comes to a lot of this stuff, the focus group is still king over what the fans are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as, as much as some people will say, well, I'm going to boycott this because it doesn't meet my qualifications. I mean, they say that about a lot of films. And there's no proof that their boycotts have ever mattered at all. <laughs> um, so I don't know how much, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really think it, it does much at all because I mean, they've been complaining about stuff, you know, it just, it just changes what they're complaining about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to simply be a little, well, that's not canon. That's not how it was in the original book. And now it's, you know, it's that plus other things. Plus it's the, well, why are they all girls or why, why aren't they in this place? Why didn't they do this? This, this, this should have been the next movie, not that one. They should have done. They should have had Colonial Marines versus the aliens. Why didn't they do that instead of instead of Prometheus? I'm like, whatever. You know, all for all the whining that's out there, I don't think it really affects things that much because the cash register keeps ringing. It it does it does they do steep, seem to still make money. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I've complained a lot about the Transformers films. <laughs> I think I think we they're, all they're have. Not, yeah, and are they they still make bank? <laughs> <laughs> so there's something there. Yeah, I, I yeah, that still that franchise still boggles my mind. Yeah, uh, Paul, how about you? You feel that fans maybe are starting to shape these products more or uh, are you are you kind of in the Glenn's house where you think it's more of the focus group it just so happens that maybe some of the opinions of the focus group are the same as some of the people on the internet I think it depends on the movie uh, mm-hmm. and it depends on how loud of a voice that uh, fan fan group has because uh, with the internet, it's in social media. It's so much easier now to persuade a group of people to your way of thinking. Whereas before, it was like, okay, you had to you had to get these magazines like Fangoria, that sort of stuff, to find out anything about a movie. Now you can find out all sorts of stuff. And with the Facebook and with Twitter, instantly people are talking about certain things, and instantly they're making assumptions and. I think it's I think it's heading down a very dangerous uh, path because um, I just it it to me 
it's not it's not healthy for creative development. I, I believe that the uh, you know the content people need to be free about how they want to interpret it. And yeah, we do own a piece of it. Uh, we should be allowed to take our our feelings of the movie and then interpret it our way. That's that's our right, and, and we do have a say. We we vote with our money, and but it, it just seems like with social media, a lot more people are are able to persuade a larger group of people. And depending on the movie, uh, certain people will listen. Like the studios will listen. Sometimes uh, the directors will listen. Uh, for example, uh, Wrigley Scott, you know, he, he made a movie that he wanted to make and he was, he was adamant about it with Prometheus, but it just didn't seem to go over well with certain groups of people. And so, yeah, I think he changed, he changed the way he made, uh, Alien Covenant because of it. And, you know, it just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of siding with Andrew with, it would have been interesting to see if if he was allowed to make the movie and, and go down the path that he was originally planning on taking. So, yeah, it, it felt though. And I've seen criticism like that where people go, Oh, this is Ridley Scott's big F you to the fans. Uh, <laughs> other people are saying, Oh, this is a piece of shit. Other people are praising it, thinking it's great that he's getting back to his alien roots. And I'm like, people make up your mind. Holy crap. Uh, you know, I just was entertained. I liked it. You know, it, you, you don't, it's not often anymore. You get films with uh, severed heads and, and entrails and such. So, you know, that's cool <laughs> for me to see on the big screen once again, but yeah, you're right. I guess we do partially own it as far as box office, but those who complain does, you know, well, I'll, I'll ask doc here because Doc, uh, I mean, we're all Doctor Who fans, but Doc really is the man. And his the fan base for Doctor Who, holy crap, I saw a, a diagram once that was a circle for whenever a new Doctor is implemented into the universe. <clears throat> Doc, the fandom for Doctor Who, who owns that property? <laughs> uh, I'll step back first before I answer that, if I can. Sure. <clears throat> Just because I, I think... Um, the conversation is going is leading us to that that point that you were just mentioning with the uh, the box office is king, mm-hmm. and one of the feelings that I have about our culture right now is that it's very much based on the quarter and the shareholder, and that involves making your money now. It doesn't involve making your money in the future. It makes your money now. So the box office, even though it's no longer the, you know, in some cases, even the primary uh, cash flow for some things, it, or hasn't been um, for a while, it is still that that primary thing we look at. And, and the, the studios want to make their money back right away. So if they feel that there is this fan backlash about something or if they reshoot something or or whatever they can do to maximize their cash flow that's probably something that they're going to look at um, they're not you know while they are the the dvd and the and the blu-ray market is dying off right now it's about streaming after that and some of that money they have anyway it doesn't make a difference what the content is because people are paying for netflix no matter to some degree what's on it Right. They're going to have access to all sorts of different things. So they need to make the money now. They need to make the money 
worldwide and they need to make them immediately. So if they can maximize that first weekend or two, especially now that we're coming into the summer season, they're definitely going to do it. Um, now to answer the question you actually asked me, no, that's um, okay. from the beginning of, <laughs> from 1966, there have been people that said, isn't it great how Doctor Who used to be? Uh, and you can say that with any long-term uh, storytelling, uh, any character that's been along for any good t- period of time, uh, you're more of you, you've got a big history with Star Trek more than myself. There are people, oh, original series, oh, next generation. It, I didn't like this series, I like that series. Oh, it used to be good when it was this series, or couldn't it, you know, the one the other one that I go to because it's it's another one of my wheelhouses is Spider Man. There are people who complained as soon as Ditko left. You know, the first time, oh, no, we got this new artist. John Romita is a a romance artist, and he turns out to be one of the greatest artists of all time for superheroes, too. But there are people, even today, that complain if Peter Parker is not a loser in an apartment, and the only time he ever has any kind of a halfway good time is when he's Spider-Man and he beats the bad guy, and the end of the issue is not him, you know, kind of looking at his meager, you know, go, oh, no, and Aunt May is sick, and I only have $5, and I think I'm getting a cold. They go, anything other than that is not Spider-Man. And it's like, oh, my, dude, (laughs) seriously, you know, so there is... In any given fandom, there is a there are are, are portions of that fan base that have very specific notions about what they want to see from creatives that are working on those characters or working on those series. And when they are not met, they can be very, very annoying. Yeah, and and, and very boisterous. Oh, I mean, the I mean, internet makes it a lot easier to. <laughs> Go for, you know, well, you know, we're all of a, of a very general same age. We had our friends that we would go to school and complain with. Yeah. We, or we maybe had friends that were, you know, other members of our family that we would see or something. You know, but it was a very limited group. It wasn't until, you know, now it's to the point where you can see how somebody, you know, feels about a new episode of a TV series or a new movie across the world within moments of them seeing it. And you can see all the complaining all at once. Yeah, and not not only all at once, but usually in caps with exclamation points and some kind of violent emoji, uh, <laughs> and, and grammatically incorrect and misspelled sometimes. Yes, because they're just so anxious to get their opinion out. I mean, this is why I left a lot of groups back when the BVS movie came out, the Batman vs Superman movie, where uh, people you know were hating and destroying the film before anyone had seen a single frame of the film regardless of how you feel about it afterwards, still before, you know, and, and did that have an effect on the studio? I'm not sure, but there has been precedence on where a studio listened to the internet. And the earliest one that I can think of, and uh, I'm sure many of you, if you have anyone earlier, I'd be love to hear it, but these snakes on a plane effect. Snakes on a Plane, if anyone's not familiar with this, first off, it's a fun movie, completely ridiculous and over the top, just by the title alone. But it was going to be a PG-13 film. And then the internet (laughs) decided it's got Samuel Jackson in it. And if I remember correctly, the events unfolded where someone made an audio trailer that had Sam Jackson dropping the F-bomb left and right, as he's known to do. And... The studio said, oh, yeah, Snakes on the Plane is going to be released as a rated R film now. 
And they, they directly, I swear, got influenced by the internet. Then the question is, is that a good practice? Is that the right thing to do? Because the box office does speak. Uh, Glenn, what do you think? Do you, do you think that's the right thing to do for studios to actually pay attention to what the fans are saying on the internet before a film comes out or should they create the one they want to create and then just throw it out there and see what happens? Um, I don't think the, the fans for, for these larger students, um, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, because the thing is, you're not going to get one unified voice for the most part from the fans. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, so which group do you pander to? Yep. Do you do you go with the ones who want uh, as as we'll just use an example here uh, with with the current Star Wars movies? Do you go with the people who want you know before the last last few Star Wars movies came who wanted a more, more diverse cast? We want to see some some women and some people of color in some roles. Do you do you go and pay attention to them, or do you go with the guys who the the ones who are saying no, you shouldn't change anything. This has always been you know, about, about these strong dudes, you know, with the occasional chick in the background. So we go with them or do you go with people who, you know, who say, Hey, you should make it just like the prequels. My kids love those, (laughs) you know, which, which group do you listen to? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think you should listen and then try to, if, if you can parse out where there's something that everyone is saying, then you might have something where everyone's saying, you know, Oh, this one thing didn't work the last time you made a movie. If every single group is saying that, the people who praise your movie, the people who bash your movie, and they all focus on one thing, sure, pay attention to that. But I think overall, um, the studios in general, I think, get too involved on, on their own. I think mm-hmm. you should let these writers and directors create their art and then you know see what happens with it. And it's it's the thing is, is that it's not that a movie can be profitable because by Hollywood standards, no movie is profitable. Yeah, I mean, you have you have Harry Potter movies who apparently still haven't made money. Spinal uh-huh. <laughs> um, Tap. Yeah, using Hollywood. Yeah, using Hollywood math. You know these things. I mean, yeah. Uh, Peter Jackson had to sue New Line for money they owed him. Yeah, because part of his payment was you know for a uh, part of the of the profits, and they did an audit of the first movie. And he's like, "Hey, you owe me like several million dollars." I want you to audit the other two. And they're like, we gave you enough money. He goes, I don't fuck that. We have a contract that says you give me this much. Um, and I think you can see when, when, when the studio probably had a heavier hand and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the difference between the first Avengers movie and the set and the second one. Right. And tell, tell me that, that the studio was not more hands-on with that second one. Cause that doesn't feel like a Joss Whedon film. No, no. It so, does. I mean, you know, and then, yeah, it's listening to the fans. I mean, I'm sorry, fans in general, um, a lot of them are idiots. When, <laughs> when, when, when it comes to telling good story and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I mean, they're fans. They're not writers. Right. I mean, I, I like to think I can write a good story, but, I mean, you know, I might have some ideas, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean my ideas are good. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, and I might have ideas that won't appeal to to a lot of other people. So I mean, it's just you have. I mean, geez, just look at fan theories on stuff, and you can see how stupid a lot of fans are. Yeah. Oh, Mace Window is Snoke. What? Where does that <laughs> even come from? 
Hey, don't forget about the Jar Jar is actually a Sith Lord. Yes. <laughs> okay, that one I kind of liked. I thought that was fun. <laughs> as fun as they are, but still, no, you're you're right. Uh, it's it's one of those things. Uh, Andrew, what about you? For studios listening to the fans versus letting the creator create. Uh, or the studios putting their own finger in it because the way they want to see things, which, which is right. And, you know, what would you say? Well, I mean, snakes on a plane is there's no big surprise that that thing was a bomb. It's like, Hey, all these people on the internet, they were saying shit. Didn't go see the movies. Like, well, yeah, they're in their basement. They're not going to go <laughs> to the fucking movies. They're going to download busy. it and say it sucks. They're not going yeah, to say <laughs> they're busy pirating it. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't listen to them. Don't listen to those guys. They they don't get off the internet. Even if they get, even if they do manage to get out to the movies, they're gonna be on their phone. Don't listen to them. But I do think a good producer um, knows how to steer a movie kind of the right way. And they're influenced by whatever. They're influenced by well, this thing worked. I'm gonna do it again. The mentality that I don't get is how you think you could presume to know better than the person that created this as a fan going like, well, th- okay, uh, Mr. Ridley Scott, thanks for this whole Blade Runner thing, and thanks for that alien and all these great things that you created. Now let me take over. <laughs> <laughs> you did the you did the groundwork. You did the hard part. But I, let me tell you how it should be done from here on out. It's like, well, just mm-hmm. because you like something doesn't mean that that's the, you know what I'm saying, the law now. And just because uh, your, you know, your fandom and your friends' fandom and everybody's drove it to a success, does not make you, does not entitle you to have a, like a true say in how it should go. I don't think because otherwise we'd get all the same. Every mm-hmm. movie would be the same. Nothing would ever change. It would nothing original. You get exactly what people say they don't want, which they say, "Oh, no more reboots, no more remakes. Suck doing original idea." Like, whoa. Okay, but don't you just want the xenomorph? Don't you just want the face hugger and the chest burster? Well, we gonna give that. We gonna play the hits. One, two, three, four. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, the the fans. I don't think sometimes know what they want. Uh, they don't. They're very confused. They're like, oh no. You know, they want all original things, but yet all they do is obsess over the 80s and buy up all the action figures. And you know what I'm saying? Like they they don't know what they want. It's a mis- I think a mistake to, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. invest all that. And of course, the movie business, if a movie was a huge success, crank out another one. But the mm-hmm. idea of what that should be, let a creative person decide that. Right. You know, TV is for episode two, three, four. You know what I'm saying? Like a movie, unless you had a big story you were telling and you chose to split it up, which sometimes they do, you know, you start to see how good Friday the 13th really is because at least it killed people in different ways in those movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like it going to see movies like, dude, really? You're going to do that again? You did that in the last movie. You know, it's like at least have the other eye pop out. Some. <laughs> well, the Final Destination films are like that. I mean, after a while, the films people didn't go there because it was a story about people cheating death. It was the rude go Rube Goldberg deaths that they came up with that people wanted to watch. Dude, that's, that's, that's my favorite horror franchise, man's final destination. Like those movies, are they all great? No, but they're all like different. I'm saying like there's, they, they have, they don't like show 
the like death's redneck parents and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Show death getting bullied in school. They it just is so <laughs> meat and potatoes. You know you can't fuck with it. It just works. I've got your scythe. What you gonna do now, Mister Reaper? What you, oh, you gonna cry? You gonna cry? Sorry. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying, though, man. I know what you're saying. You know, and in terms of franchises, I like. I think Plan the Apes is the most consistent movie franchise there is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they for some reason, despite what you know, sometimes people like it, sometimes people don't. But I never felt that it got so so bad that it had to start over, or you know, what I'm saying like any of that stuff. They all, yeah. They all kind of go together, and I was like, "Is it that good?" But every time a new comes one comes out, I get it so excited. I watch all the old ones. And I'm like, "It really all goes together. Why don't <laughs> they do this more often?" But that's me as a fan saying that. You know, I trust. Yeah, I trust the people that do it for a living to do it, and I'll either like it or not. But what the fuck do, does that matter? You know? Sure, Paul. How about you on the matter of? Uh... Uh, fans uh, controlling or, or determining or studios listening to the fans and, and giving them what they want uh, versus letting the creator create or uh, them having their own agenda and just doing whatever the hell they want. Uh, even though I do believe that the creator should be, uh, should be allowed to do the creative thing, the whole process for themselves. Uh, I do want to point out that there are uh, some examples of where the fandom did help out uh, an example being uh, the Deadpool um, movie. Mm-hmm. And I think I think if it wasn't for the fandom, they wouldn't have uh, taken chances that they did. Uh, if it wasn't for the large amount of of the excitement that the fanboys generated, we wouldn't have had the R rating. And I think that carried over into Logan too. And both of those movies, I thought, were really great movies. And I think that if they would have went with the original plan, uh, you know, the more of the, you know, the typical studio PG-13, because that's the formula. If they would have not listened to the fans there, I think we wouldn't have had a, a, a good a good enough product. Um, and in, in that particular case, I think it, it did work out into the favor. And it also did allow the uh, creators to be more creative, that it opened up. Uh, avenues that weren't normally available to them. So in, in that particular case, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, specifically about your question is, as someone who has dabbled in uh, fan fiction, has done fan art, and has done a lot of derivative type of work, I believe that it. I, I get enjoyment out of that, and I think that fans do that, that they are allowed to do that. You know, it, it's again, they're right. Uh, but uh, they shouldn't try to push their, their belief of, of what is right and what is wrong about a, mo- a movie onto everyone else. Because uh, I mean, if <laughs> the superhero movies would absolutely be horrible if they followed how I wanted them to be, because <laughs> I, I just know, because I have a certain way of, of heroes. I, I like my heroes to be a specific type of way. And, you know, you look at the, it's just, it, it wouldn't have been the same and they would have just flopped if they just, if they listened to my version, but that's not going to stop me from writing my own Batman fan fiction, my wonder woman fan fictions. I'm going to still do that because that's something I enjoy doing. And that excitement helps and builds and when I when I kind of share that with other people and and they share in that excitement experience and build on it, 
we, we build a community. And I think that part of fandom and, and that part of, of, you know, influencing stories is a good thing. So, but uh, would you say though, since you brought that up and it, it kind of reverts back to what kind of sparked this idea with Andrew uh, when he watched was, do you think you should be able to profit off of those things you personally for the things you created based off of these making the fan fiction is great, but do you think it's right to be able to sell it the, and make money off it? Because I'm such a big person of, of, you know, following laws and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very, very hard to take a derivative work and, and say that that, that little bit that you added that, that uniqueness I, I should be able to make money on because you're, you're, you're taking a lot of the original material uh, into, into the story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like names and, and the behaviors and all those things that make up, uh, you know, superheroes or, or even Star Trek, you know, if uh, there's a certain way that you expect Spock to behave, but it wasn't something that I wrote, you know, I didn't write Spock a certain way. And if I were to write him differently, just so that I would have something original, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same, you know, it just, and I couldn't profit on that because, um, it, you know, my, my little story Mm -hmm. is just a a fraction of what that universe is like. Uh, So to me, fandom fan art, fan fiction is just something to share with the community. Don't make, don't try to make a profit on it. Uh, you know, if you do, then ask for permission. But yeah. even then, it's, 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 <laughs> I honestly like it better because if, if you screw up something, oh, you know, you, you get somebody upset. It's like, I don't care. This is, this is my story. Mm-hmm. I'm not making any money on it. I'm not trying to push it on you. This is how I want the world to be. This is how I'm going to write it. And, you know, just shut up and let me do what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why I, I I know you create a lot of that stuff. That's why I asked about the monetary thing. So, uh, yeah, you, you, it, I think it should just be shared with fans. You know, fans should be sharing it with fans and, and not trying to make a profit off of someone else's stuff, even though you're playing because you're, you're playing in that person's world, mm-hmm. uh, basically. <laughs> uh, Doc, how about you with uh, studios and them listening to the interwebs and letting that influence them? Uh, versus, you know, doing what they want to do or letting the creator do what they want to do. What, what do you think is right? Or what, what? If, if memory serves, Snakes on a Plane wasn't even the title. That was the internet title. Yes, it so, was. So that's, that's, that's also a sign of... But that was, that was a movie that was given over to the internet. They kind of gave up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, as someone who... I suppose can be referred to as a creator. I was called talent over the weekend and it confused me. Um, and, and, and to, to kind of tack on to, to Paul's point there too, I've, uh, I've written or worked on two of my own doctor who fan fiction series over the years. I've contributed to two other ones. Uh, one of which um, is an audio type thing. Not that that necessarily matters just because it was different. So, I think that there is a very, um, I think fan fiction in and of itself can be very useful depending on how the author 
is approaching it. Um, for me, it was something fun to do. It was something that allowed me to stretch some of my writing skills so that I could uh, improve because the first few stories I wrote were, were incredibly primitive. And then as time went on, because I was already using a structure that felt familiar to me, uh, it allowed me to progress to the point where I could, you know, generate a little bit of something that was a little, a little more unique and a little bit more my own, at least anyway, and move from there. And, and whatever I may have done since then is, is all fine and good. Um, we've all, all of us have created to some degree, not to a massive degree, like someone who's pumping out uh, comic books every month or movies so many times a year or a television episode every week. But we've all done a little something and we all have our little way of how we think it should work. And I think a lot of the fans that have opinions, actually, let me step that back slightly. As someone who has created things, whether they were derivative or not, I found rather quickly by sharing my my work with others that everyone has ideas <laughs> everyone has an idea and they to some degree they're willing to share some of them with you because you're smart and you'll know what to do with them and you'll hear a lot of different ideas about how you know hey you should do this or this should try it. so everyone has that most people have no clue what to do with an idea and they mm -hmm. don't understand the concept the variation between idea and fleshing it out into a screenplay or a, a novel or a short story or anything like that. They just know that they have an idea. And it's a cool idea sometimes. They have no clue what to do with it. And I, I, I suspect, at least, that a number of the people who have these ideas are perfectly willing to share them on the Internet, and many of them have not actually completed anything. They've mm -hmm. not... Because the more I manage to accomplish even in my meager meager ways i understand how complicated it can be and how much work it can take and how much efforts involved and when you don't see any of that much like advanced technology it becomes magic right. um when you don't know how when you just know you flip a switch and a light comes on and you don't understand how electricity works to any degree it can be magic and if you don't really understand the complications of what it takes to actually accomplish any of these things, even to get up on a stage in front of people for three minutes and do a little sketch routine, it seems like magic because it's not something that's within your, your capabilities to accomplish. It looks easy when you have somebody who apparently has a clue of what they're doing, but if you've never done it, you don't know what it actually takes. Right. And I've heard that complaint from creators occasionally that uh, if you haven't done it, you don't have a right to comment. And I don't feel that's correct either. I think we all have the right to our opinions, as I think we've most of us at least have said. But there's a difference between expressing your opinion over something and demanding your opinion be right or be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes where some of these complications come in. Um, I've heard, you know, because I, I also have friends that complain that critics have ruined everything because they tell people how they're supposed to react to movies. Yep. 
whether it's, you know, BVS or Star Wars or, you know, I, I've got a buddy who insists that people dislike the prequels because they were told to dislike the prequels. But the uh, like we've said about the Transformer films, these things made money. Mm-hmm. And clearly that shows that at least there's a certain segment of the audience that they sought to get that came and showed up and was there to spend their money whether or not they felt the movie was quality or not when they left is is a whole different argument they spent their money and even if a critic goes you know what this movie's no good or it's poor because of this or it's it's ill-conceived in this way it doesn't stop some of these things from making money i, I don't think the impact of even no offense to us talking about these things right now. <laughs> no, our opinions, our opinions here, I, I'm not expecting yeah. our opinions whatsoever. To no, but, but our, our opinion or, or the guy scribbling on a, an IO9 page or on his blog or whatever it might be commenting hither or yon or in Reddit or whatever, a lot of, you know, not that feedback's not important, but a lot of these things are just yelling into the wind. And nobody hears them. And and on some cases, all it takes is, you know, the only people that hear them or read them are the people who have no way of affecting it at all. And all it does is frustrate us because right. we go, oh, this guy is just talking out of his, his, his butt and he's just yelling. And he, he, hopefully he feels better having yelled, but chances are he doesn't. But at the end of the day, he still watched the movie, whether he paid for it or not is important but is less to some degree less relevant to some degree i mean that's how it should be you should go and you should spend your your hard-earned cash and you should walk out and go and go i don't feel that that movie was quality we all have the right to go if we're spending our money on hey if i'm going to pay money for dinner i have the right to expect that my dinner is going to be cooked appropriately and it's not going to be spoiled food and it's going to be some effort involved or whatever at that when it comes to entertainment, it's it's much more hit or miss. I mean, I could be in a in a bad mood and go see a movie, and it doesn't cheer me up. And I go, "Is that a bad movie? It may not be a bad movie. It just may not have hit me right at that time." So right. it's, you can't demand, "Oh, this is an awful movie. You know, we should go see this movie because I was in a bad mood, and this movie didn't bring me out of my bad mood." But some people feel that way. They mm-hmm. they, they demand service, and uh, it just. <laughs> Movie make bad go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't completely satisfied with this and boo on the studio for not including, you know, such and such as alternative costume. You know, it's... Well, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man, you brought up Spider-Man earlier. That's a classic yeah. example. How many times have they rebooted, you know, they're, they're rebooting the character again. And yet fans are still complaining about that character. They just announced right after the release of Resident Evil 6 that they're rebooting it with another six six movie series. Yeah. So if they if a studio feels there's money in something, they will continue to try and make money off of something. Whether right. you know that that has very little to do with what you or I feel is is if this is a good idea or not. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't go, that's cool. Because I've made my decision that I go, I don't feel like spending my money on this. Maybe I'll see it later on on, on cable or somebody else I know will have it on disc. Mm-hmm. But how many people do we, oh, this is stupid, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I'm going to not blah. But they still, you know, I have to, you know, they'll still watch a show that they hate or they'll still buy a comic book that they hate or they'll still go <laughs> see a movie that they know they're going to hate. 
And then they come out and go, yeah, I hated it. Well, you still gave them your money. Yeah, so, they don't care. In the now, end the day, now whether you hated it or not means nothing because they got your however many dollars. Right. Well, and you brought up an excellent point. And we have, we have at least two filmmakers in the, the spoiler room tonight. And you brought up an excellent point because like Batman versus Superman and they were talking about the reshoots that they were going to do because it wasn't dark enough or whatnot, or wasn't humorous enough when uh, I'll go to Andrew first, Andrew, there, there is even with smaller films, there's a lot of pre-planning going on with a film before you shoot a single frame, isn't there? Yeah. But you know, also um, you make the film several times, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like when, when you plan it, it's one thing you write it. Then when you're shooting, it becomes something else. And in the editing, it becomes something else entirely. And then when people see it, it's 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 so a movie goes through many different kinds of uh, evolution and all that. And again, uh, you know, a producer's job is to kind of know what way to kind of steer it. And as far as like the producers battling with the creative people, I mean, that's been a part of film forever, you know. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's like the well, the producers and the money people, so they're responsible if it doesn't make money. So they got to like make it into something that um, that is is going to kind of do that, you know. And uh, I, I guess uh, uh, what was it, the uh, Fantastic Four that that most yeah. that most recent one that uh, famously there was all this different. You often hear of like uh, the filmmaker would have done this, but then you know, like uh, I guess maybe Suicide Squad also, you know. But at, at a certain point, I think. Um, when it comes to when you know, particularly like the superhero thing or any of that stuff, where it's like this cinematic universe that everybody's so big on now, <laughs> you're creating this idea of homogenizing it and make everything kind of fall in line and everything kind of be lockstep and everything related. So there can't be too much deviation stylistically, like in comics, where you could have some weird ass writer or some weird ass artist come in and just do this whole crazy thing. You know, and somebody reading it goes like, "Wow, I didn't really like that." Well, well, wait, it's gonna be different next time. You might like, you might not. Was the beauty of it, but uh, I think, um, I mean, Glenn, what do you think, man? It's like, do you think them like doing that whole shared universe thing is kind of like a blessing and a curse? One, it creates a lot of fandom because they know what to expect. But on the other hand, like, where's the artistry there? Where's the originality gonna come in? I, I yeah, I, I think it is a blessing and curse. I mean, I I love epic stories i mean i i love you know i as as a as a guy who plays role-playing games and has written one i i love the whole world building aspect and i like i like knowing lots of stuff about the world and you can only fit so much into a single two or three hour movie and i love you know getting more of that from that but then yeah there's also the it leads less and less part of at least less and less to my imagination um and it also then uh, just it can easily grow stale. Mm-hmm. It's like how many times do I need to see you guys doing the exact same thing over and over again? I mean, it 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 it's hard to keep that fresh when it's the same characters, and there's not a lot of variety. It's like it's just okay. So this this bad guy shoots lightning out of his hands. What the last bad guy do? He shot fire out of his hands. The guy before <laughs> that, he shot ice out of his hands. So it's like there's not a ton of um of of stuff that you can do with it at times um plus you then are kind of corn into this because you have this whole outline planned out it's like well i i would like to do something different but you know we can't do a different marvel movie until 2064 because we have this all plotted out 
<laughs> so um, it's it's a blessing and a curse. It's great that I'm getting lots of these movies, and for the most part, I enjoy a lot of them, at least on the Marvel side, less on the DC side. Though I'm hoping on June fourth that changes. Um, but yeah, it's it is definitely a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. and- Paul, how about you with that? A, a blessing and a curse for having this shared universe and, and you know, kind of li- listening yet not listening to fandom, but still trying to keep everything within the same universe? What, what do you think about that, Paul, with the superhero films namely? But they're doing that with everything now. That's true. But with, with the superhero films specifically, uh, the Marvel thing, I think there's still room for for a little bit of, of wiggle room interpretation and how, and presentation. I mean, uh, take a look at, at Thor, the first Thor movie, which I enjoyed thoroughly because it had Kenneth Brenna's, uh, kind of, uh, kind of a, a very Shakespearean type of thing. Um, you know, you had, uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, speech in that film was one of the most powerful ones in the thing. And then you, then you go to a Joss Whedon type, a style with the Avengers where he's really good with, with ensembles, and then you went to uh, an Ant-Man, which is an entirely different feel. Then you got Guardians of the Galaxy, which again is a different feel type movie. So I think there is still room for for t- storytelling, you know, uh, allowing it to be a little bit different, even though they are confined to, you know, you have to have these characters, these characters have to go this way, and, and so forth, and you have to you have to expand the story. But I think they still do a fairly decent job. And on the flip side of that, you have uh, um, DC setting up and doing the same things, I think, because uh, Man of Steel is, is a much different uh, f- film from what I'm seeing from the trailers of Wonder Woman. And just what I've seen of the Aquaman character, I think that's going to be a much more humorous uh, type of movie. And I, I just I think that uh, even though they are confined to their little universes, that there is still going to be, um, you know, it, it's not a curse. It's not a, it's not a blessing either. I, I just think that it's, it's just, just there. I mean, it's, it's just something, it's a new element of storytelling that they have to deal with, I guess. Uh, you know, the, the whole mummy, which is, which is coming out, that's starting a, a, a new cinematic universe for, uh, for the universal monsters. Uh, it looks like they're, they're going to go down a, a, a direction. And I, I'm, pretty certain they're going to interpret each of the movies slightly different but yet still have that familiarity uh that you know keeps keeps us all like yay you know they've hired some cool directors for those yeah Yeah. and i hope i hope they don't i hope that they do not change the way they want to do their movie because it really i guess that you know that's i talked about thor and why i like thor so much is he made he made the movie that he wanted to make it was it was like a, a like to me like was it was like a Shakespeare mm-hmm. thing and not a superhero movie and I enjoyed it for that reason you know <laughs> See, and I'm I'm kind of glad you brought up Thor uh, because the latest film looks completely different than the other two Thor films. <laughs> Doc, do you think that's them listening to fans, or do you think it's just them trying not to be DC? Because Paul said it, DC sucks. You know, Marvel, Marvel forever. Am I right? Fist bump, everybody. Fist bump. DC just didn't say DC sucked. I thought DC was. No, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm kidding. I know you didn't. I was. I was being your average uh, uh, fanboy. 
internet yeah. thread that you see on there. <laughs> oh, DC, they're replicating Marvel. I'm like, it's a superhero universe you're trying to build. There's not a whole lot of different ways you can approach it. But in any case, <laughs> the dog, what, what do you think with the Thor? He brought up Thor. Does, doesn't it just from the trailers, though, doesn't it look like they've taken it a different direction? And do you think fandom's complaints of DC may have affected that? Because the Thor films have been a little bit darker than a lot of the other Marvel films as far as seriousness goes versus jokes. Well, I don't, I, th- I think, I think we overthink some of this stuff. Sure. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, Thor Ragnarok is a, a reflection of how people are, ref- are, you know, going and reacting to the DC films. Um, that said, all we've seen is a trailer. I have no clue right. how the movie's going to play out at this point. It looks like it's going to be fun. And we made the joke, even you know, when the trailer first hit, that it's the Thordians of the galaxy. I think that was yeah. the, <laughs> the way they're promoting it anyway. Yeah. But how much of that is organic? How much of that is the story that they want to tell? And a lot of that we probably don't really know right now. Right. Um, it's you know, it might be well they're going well. We we're kind of going more cosmic with this, so we wanted to have that Guardians feel, so it feels like a cosmic story more so than just a, a Thor story, perhaps. Or it could just be that they went, this is the way we want this one to play out. Or, hey, we've seen Chris Hemsworth now doing these little shorts as Thor, and he was in a comedy role in Ghostbusters. Let's use some of those skills. And they just wrote something that comes across a little more you know, silly, perhaps. Sure. Or, or good-natured, humorous take on it. So, And I think that's... I'm going to say this. I don't want to start anything, Mark, honestly. By all means, go ahead. I think I I sometimes feel that's some of the reaction between the DC and the Marvel camps right now is that Mm -hmm. the Marvel Marvel Universe organically kind of fed for a while. I mean, there was a plan there, but it wasn't until some of those movies started to hit that they started to go, okay, this is what we can do now. DC is catching up and, and 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 I'm not saying this from a position of having seen these films I have not um but sometimes the way people react to them I get the vibe that they're feeling like DC's trying to DC's had two movies in their DCU a third to come out and they're trying to act like they've already got seven movies out right that's the vibe I get sometimes and that's I think why people aren't reacting to them as positively because it doesn't feel organic to them but in you, some of it, some of it might well be just you know some in some cases it's clearly just the way that the heroes are reacting. But right. But would you say though that possibly the fan base might have something to do with that? Because if you go if you go slower and try to do what I mean, DC DC is put in the corner because right. Marvel did it first. So whatever yes. Mar- whatever DC is going to do it's going to be accused of replicating Marvel. And you I think feel- their they- toys are better though, man. Marvel's toys. Are <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I haven't bought a legend in years because I didn't care for the new, but that's beside the point. No, yeah. that's, that's an incredibly valid point. If they had done the slow burn and built things up, people would go, Oh, you're just imitating what Marvel did. And if it worked, they could have said, who cares if we're imitating what Marvel did? We're not. We're just trying to do it the way we want to do it, but fine. Right. The fact, and they're rushing, you know, by doing it differently. Either way, as we've said a few times, either way, you're going to get criticism, I suspect. It's no different from, you know, every every 
every studio that's trying to do some sort of cinematic universe at this point is being accused of just following Marvel because right. Marvel made a boatload of money for D- for Disney. Mm-hmm. So so you get your Hasbro universes, you get your your Universal Monsters universes, you get your DC universes, all those. Everybody is going, hey, can we get some of that money too? And everybody, everybody is second at the very best because right. you're not going to catch up with this one. Which a lot of people forget that Marvel and Troma but, did their universes first. So, you know. No, well, Universal, <laughs> the Universal Monsters are probably, you know, the ones you know, from yeah. the 30s are probably the start of the first cinematic universe as we understand it. There mm-hmm. might be one before that, but it's some of those the films are probably silent and lost and we just don't have them to reflect on. But at least as the way we understand a cinematic universe, it's the Universal Studios monsters right. from back in the day when you have Wolfman and when you have Lon Chaney fighting Glenn Strange as the Frankenstein monster, and that's, you know, and then John Carradine's, you know, subbing in for Dracula, and Boris <laughs> Karloff is, you know, got a cart and everything like that. So it's, it, in a lot of ways, it's not a new idea by any stretch. This one just hit at the right time and clicked. And right. everybody else now is going, ooh. And as we've said, if, if a studio makes money, everybody else is going to copy it, whether it's one movie or now a franchise or, you know, before it was you wanted a franchise. You wanted something that was going to run three, four movies because they knew that was safe. They could make a certain amount of money on it and it would pay off it as an investment. And now we've umped that up to a whole universe. And part of the reason we can do this is because the technology changed. That right. has changed all storytelling and that's not something that people really reflect on that much anymore mm-hmm. we have we now live in an you know if you go back because again we're all the same age i have friends that are in their late 50s they can reflect back to when they were buying comic books and you could go you had to go to a newsstand and you weren't guaranteed that if you've got if you got issue 70 of amazing spider-man that 71 would even show up in town Right. You might not get some, you know, the next wish you might not get would be 72 or 73. So they had to write the stories back then to fill you in on the issues you may not have read. You know, or if you go back to the newspapers, the the, the adventure strips of the 30s and the 40s and into the 50s when they, they start to fade away. You're Steve Canyon or Terry of the Pirates or Little Abner or whatever. You had three panels a day. And the first panel was like catching you up on what happened yesterday and you advance the story slightly and you give a cliffhanger. And that was every day. And then Sunday, because not everybody got the Sunday or the daily necessarily, would bring you up to speed on everything that happened and add a couple of panels. <laughs> now you get to a point where, hey, if you watch a TV, if you go, hey, I kind of like this TV show, you're going to go to Netflix and you're going to binge it all probably in a weekend. Right. You're going to be able to go. And watch all the movies you want to see. You can go find all the comic books. You can find all the books. They're not impossible to find. They're all there legally, or if not so legally, then you just find them because you do. You can tell a story differently now because you, instead of assuming the audience has not seen or read everything, you assume they have. Mm -hmm. And now people are pissed when the storytelling (laughs) doesn't, when the storyteller apparently hasn't read and remembered everything that has ever happened. Right. <laughs> That's like, part of our problem, too. Yeah, because you've got that references. So those who are devout fans can go yeah. back. Well, in, ep- in, in issue 67, back in 1967 of the original mm-hmm. print of Spider-Man here, he had this costume and you tried to replicate in this movie and you got it wrong. Wrong. It's like, yeah. what? 
didn't you remember that this is what happened? I remember it. I must be a true fan. Yeah. Dun, dun, oh, God. oh, that's a whole nother uh, discussion. They are true fans versus Wolf, but... No, going back though, that DC, yeah, is trying to play catch up. I don't think they need to, but anybody's going to be accused of replicating it. Paul, uh, how about you with DC? You think part of the reason they're doing this is because of the fan base? Part of them trying to listen to the fan base going, we need a DC universe, and the other fan base going, you guys are taking too long. I I honestly don't know. Uh, I think with DC, they they pretty much have a much harder time than Marvel does because uh, if you look at what what kind of Marvel is having troubles with it's it's their iconic ones. You had the Fantastic Four, the Spider Men's. Uh, they didn't, you know, they, they they struggled. Even though yeah, they made money on those on those films, but their Marvel Cinematic Universe they they played with the Avengers. And at the time when the Avengers came out. Avengers weren't a really big deal. It was because of the movies that they now have become a big deal. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, they're kind of a lesser known group in Marvel. Uh, and, and so now, now let's come to DC and DC is, is taking their iconic um, characters. You know, you got Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, you've got the Trinity of comic book right. superheroes. And because of all that history, much more so than than with uh, with the other characters from the other universes, I think they they're having a really hard time because they have many many more fans, much more history that they have to worry about. You know, they have to deal with all this baggage that that Marvel didn't have to deal with with when they launched the Avengers and so forth. So it, it's just. I think that's that's the problem that DC was having because uh, it's just because of that. They're, they've they've had a uh, it's they have to deal with the fandom a lot uh, a much greater you know history of fandom for the for those characters because you really don't want to screw up those characters. <laughs> so they, they should have probably did Green Arrow as a movie versus a TV series. <laughs> well, but look at that those, those characters are becoming. Are, are very popular, you know, because, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know, it's it, maybe that's what they should have done. They should have, they should have done that. <laughs> the, 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 the TV DC universe seems to have grown more palatably regardless of some of the changes they've made to the characters than the DC cinematic universe. I think yeah. mainly is, is money involved there as well. People paying tickets versus, well, you know, just seeing it on broadcast TV, but yeah. Um, but, it, but if you're going to do a Superman, you know, you which Superman do you want to do? You want to do George Reeves? Do you want to do the one from the serial? Do you want to do the Flesher cartoons? Do you want to do Super Friends? We had all the different do you versions do, you want to do Lois and Clark? You've got all these other cinematic-esque Supermen to deal with. Iron Man was brand new for the movies. Right. You know, we'd never seen him on TV. or He had a cartoon in the 60s and one in the 90s. That was it. <laughs> he had nothing else for the average non-comic book reading person to reference. He was a blank slate. You know, Wonder Woman's got Linda Carter. Um, right. You know, which Batman do you want? Good grief. Which Batman do you want? <laughs> well, Flash. Oh, Flash I, even had a TV show before as well. Right. Yeah. But you, do you want to do the crappy, you know, outer space, late 50s Batman when they had no clue what to do with the character? Do you want Adam West who saved that character from being canceled? 
you know, that even though we go, oh, no, we don't want Adam. No, Adam West, if it wasn't for that TV show, that book would have been canceled. But then all the people that loved Adam West and and the campy Batman of that time, why why weren't they defending Joel Schumacher for bringing back that campy Batman? You know, some of them did. I I semi-seriously argue that Adam West is the only Batman that ever moved on. He's the only true Batman because he's the only one that actually went, yep, my parents died. I don't do this because of that. I do this because it's the right thing to do. Right. Everybody else is like, ah, I'm so dark because my parents died. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Since Frank Miller, Batman has been mired in that, that mindset that he has to be incredibly dark. He's right. no longer a detective very much anymore, especially cinematically. He's not a detective. Right. You know, so you like, could argue that no Batman movie since you know Adam West has ever shown any detective skills. So well, uh, who's the real who's the real bat pure West? T- That's t- all. Tim the animated Burton. cartoon though, too. I'm sorry, I'm jumping forward to June. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Tim Burton uh, did show at least a little bit of uh, Detective Batman. And yes, the animated series, I thought, is still oh, one of the yeah. best animated series ever. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. That's, prob- <laughs> that's, that's arguably a truer Batman in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> that is a truer Batman. Uh, but a- Andrew, would you say DCU's uh, problem then is the baggage, the history of these characters cinematically uh, and also, you know, in, in media versus the Marvel's ones, which uh, weren't as prevalent? I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think with, with any of it, even if we're talking like, you know, King Arthur or back to the future or any kind of thing they're trying to either, you know, make a success or was a success. People's interests change and fans are fickle. And I think like basing all your shit on them is the kind of like a, not necessarily a very good investment. Um, And that's why like me as a fan, I go, well, you know what I want, you know, I'll either see it or not, but for them to kind of like, you know what I'm saying like base everything off of or try to presuppose or sell people on stuff. Seeing that matrix thing, I'm like, dude, how do you know people want matrix? I don't think they do. You know, yeah. like I, I really like that was a success, you know, around the time when everybody thought the world was going to fucking end. They would never make those now. And I don't think people really like want those. Now the people that's would be open to that type of shit are watching TV. They're not going to the movies, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I, I think that, you know, like it'll be interesting to see where all the superhero things goes because like comics been around forever. Right. And but comic movies is taking a long time for them to figure that shit out. And most of it is because of special effects now have kind of, you know, kind of caught up with it to where they can do a lot of the shit that's in comics. But right. like all comic movies, they'll be a fad or will it stay like how comics have stayed? I think the only answer to that really is for them to go like, to put it in the hands of like visionaries and artists and do different shit with it. Cause like the, you know, like I was saying, like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is only one person's idea of Spider-Man, but look how fucked up that got because they were like, Hey, we need this villain, this villain, this villain, this movie. And uh, we need you to make it tomorrow. And like, whoa, is it going to be good? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it going to be good? People are just going to, you know, they think it's going to print money like that. You know, and I, I do think though when it comes to like, you know, like the, making your shit different, being like, oh, our stuff is grittier, our shit is darker, this stuff is more for children, we're trying to get to the grown ups. What you're looking at is like, 
does the Dark Knight need to be the template for everything Batman ever does again? I don't think so, man. You know, and so live is just like kind of breaking out of that template. Same thing with aliens. I think like James Cameron's aliens is what people seem to want the most out of those movies. They don't seem to really want a horror movie version. You know, because right. most people will tell you probably aliens is the best. I don't think so, but it's it's what you bring into it. And they're gonna find out, man. It's like this the whole people that are like freaking out about it now, you're not necessarily gonna have them forever. I mean, they're gonna get the, they're going to age out of some of this shit, you know? Well, it, it goes right along with, uh, well, Batman. I think it's when you do something, and I think that's what they're missing. The point is, when they do something different versus fans' expectations, a lot of times it's a hit. I think the reason Burton's Batman hit so well was because it was different from the 60s Batman that everybody saw, the cheesy Batman that a lot of people got cynical in the 80s, but here you got a suddenly this whole different version of Batman. And not only that, you're getting a superhero film that doesn't have Superman's name in front of it, which was about the only thing you got at the time. But then you, the, like you said, the producers got into it because Batman's a classic. I would have loved to see Bertman's third film. When I heard about all the stuff that he wanted to do with the Batman third film and make it even darker than Batman returns, which was the complaint of the producers. Oh, we're making it too dark. Uh, because there were a lot of cool things he wanted to do with it, but they, the studio didn't have confidence. They didn't think that's what the fans wanted. Oh, no, we got to make it lighter. We're just going to put as many villains into it, just like with Spider-Man 3. Yeah, Spider-Man 3, is a, there's a great story in there with Sandman, but then you add all the other freaking villains in there, and then it gets muddled, and then it gets be a mess, and then it's just how yeah, many... I, I think really, like, bringing in somebody that had established reputation outside of that genre like Tim Burton that was a good idea. In the case of Alien, I, ra- I probably, instead of seeing Covenant, would have liked to have seen the Neil Blomkamp that he was thinking about mm-hmm. doing. That would have been neat. And so what's going to attract me to it, because I, I hate to say this an hour into our discussion or whatever, but I mostly don't give a fuck about superhero movies. Mostly. <laughs> That's I, just, okay. I just don't. Sure. But I do, just as a member of the media and as a film fan, I like to see, you know, the interesting kind of different things they would do with it. And I will go see a movie like I was like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy by James Gunn. I know James Gunn. This might be crazy. You know, mm-hmm. but what I don't want is to go in and see him. I was like, oh, man, you know, I can't tell this great director that I like Kenneth Branagh. Maybe it's like I can't see Kenneth Branagh in this movie. I hope they just I hope they just let him do what they're going to do and not rely on that fan. Like we say, man, because the fans aren't. They're fickle. They're not going to stay. They'll turn on you. You know, yeah. don't, you you know, listen to them can be good or a bad thing. I still would always defer to the creators because mm-hmm. I thought everybody's going to bring up Star Wars more than they did. And so I'm, I'm glad about that. Cause like, you know, that's a whole, that could go, that could be a rabbit hole, just like comic movies. But like, you know, at, at, you go like, all right, George Lucas, man. Um, he did this one thing, but let's see what somebody else would do with it. That was ended up being a cool idea to let other people make them because most people's a lot of people's favorite Star Wars are ones like that Empire Strike Back is supposed to be like the best. He didn't he wasn't the director of that one. No, nope. he didn't write that either. Nah, no. So, so you know no. what I'm saying like that seemed to be like later kind of the key to it is just kind of when you got a franchise that the you know, another question does a creator own the franchise or can other people do it? I think when you're trying to like draw it out like that. 
it's cool to let some creative people in there. I just, my worry is that they're just going to get these directors that'll just tow the producer line, you know, and and not, uh, not be like a visionary because, um, Mm -hmm. you know, film is an art, all is art forms. They're, they're based on the, the vision of creative people. And I, I still feel like I would always defer to that than what I personally want from it. Cause like really, if I want to see like a certain version of Batman, I know the one I like, I just go watch it. Yeah. Well, exactly. I, I, and you t- we mentioned Spider-Man, uh, Raimi, his famous films, evil dead. What, if you go to a fan, probably which version of Ash do you think they really want, Glenn? Do they want Army of Darkness or do they want the original Ash from the first Evil Dead? <laughs> they want Army of Darkness. Yeah. Oh, God, dude. Hey, not to take up the air. I want to hear the rest of what Glenn's going to say, but this made me think I of something. The, I heard the size start, so it's good. Yeah. Dude, dude, no, no. Weren't they saying when they remade Evil Dead, all of a sudden the fans and I'm putting the quote mark so hard my fingers are gonna break they were saying they all of a sudden their heroes are money grubbing assholes because they did that remember that that they yeah. said that who else what? remember that who else did they say that about it wasn't just like oh no it was with ghostbusters you're yeah. saying how like dan Aykroyd's insane and all that they, they turn tail on the people who made their favorite shit yeah yeah well, they they were saying that they yeah they were all paid off to say to say good things about the movie because it was actually shit and they just got lots of money and they had in order to keep the money they have to say good things. Yeah, so but, let's listen to what the fans say. Is that like you know you know because because Bill, Bill Bill Murray is at home worrying about when when his next paycheck is going to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that right there's the dark side of that part. You know, like the they you know they. Yeah, let's 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 tow the fan line. Let's do what they say. Let them dictate everything. But yeah. oh wait, they'll hate you like in a second. True. <laughs> so, but Glenn, you know, fandom and that. Do you think that's part of DC's problem with that? Is that they've got baggage and just fandom in general with these other properties we mentioned that people either have selective memory or, you know, it, they they think they know what's best. Um. Eh, nobody knows what's best. Mm-hmm. Father. <laughs> father knows best. Yeah, but, I mean, knows but as far as the DCU, what we were talking about originally was uh, with the DCU having so much baggage and the fact that they're trying to rush it. Are they doing that, you think, because of the fan pressure? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's because of fan pressure. Um, no, uh I don't know. It's 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 hard to say at times. I mean, I don't know really. Mm-hmm. It, I think it'll make for a good book someday. <laughs> sure, it'll make for a great book that that people will bitch about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I want Glenn, I want a book written by Glenn that's just nothing but a would be a title of a movie or something, and then however long the sigh is on the page. I think <laughs> I would I would pay money for that. Yeah, the good thing to remember is, man, we aren't the target audience. Motherfuckers right. our age, they they don't care about also you. True. You know, they're, oh, they're, yeah. they'll sell you a Blu-ray special edition or a box set, but they're not trying to sell you and me movies no more. No. no. So to, to, to complain about that is ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, let's see what this 40-year-old guy on the internet thinks about this. It's like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> nah, man, he's paying, a, you know, starting saving up money for his knee replacement. He ain't going to the movies. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that was the uh, argument I made when the last when the new Ghostbusters came out. Is all these they ruined my childhood and they they stole this from like this movie isn't made for you, dickhead. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't make movies for forty five year old dudes. Uh, We're no, about they, ten years out of that demographic now. They don't. They're grasping onto everything, man. You, you, know, you know what yeah. movies they make for forty five year old guys? Pornos. That's what they're. That's that's what that's the, the demographic that we are now. That we're sought after. Yeah. We're the ones, you know. Is that they, why they're making they, like the '60s Batman porn and stuff? Like yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> but don't I mean? But we change as we get older too. The stuff we're True. into changes, man. Yeah. We we're not gonna necessarily like oh like man that's something I would have ran out to see when I was fourteen. But I'm not into that shit no more. Some movies I used to watch like. You know, like once a month and shit, or like all the time. Music I used to like a lot. I just don't even, you know. It just eventually, I'm just not not into it anymore. It just we should we change. So I I would like, you know, I would like to see movies kind of be cognizant of that a little bit. And, you know, just Except for Black like, Well, Black Hill yeah. is Black Hill is immortal. You know, yeah. he he, he, can't, he doesn't die. He's always going to be black and good. There there is like you know there's stuff that will stick with you for you almost your entire life there's there's things that i'm staring at muppet toys in front of me i've enjoyed the muppets for as almost as long as i can remember and there's all sorts of different levels and different things i i delve into that make me enjoy them more but there are also things that oh i really like that 20 years ago and now it's like, oh that thing yeah you know it's you like, how mad the muppet people were about that tv show everybody yeah. had this own idea about what the muppets ought to be and no, you know, they're like turn tail on oh. the Muppets all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I hate him. Like, you hate Kermit? Only an asshole hates Kermit. <laughs> Very much so. No, because a lot of people got <laughs> on their use of the word adult. When they were when they were when they were promoting that movie, they kept or that show rather, they kept saying adult, and people freaked out because adult meant something different to them. But only, only old people like the Muppets. It made sense to me. Well, no, yeah. Well, no, the, when they thought adult, they thought they meant like, oh, it's going like to be like adult feebles. situations. It's, yes. For lack of a better word, yes. We're going to do the and what they oh, and, and immediately when people, oh, well, and I'm like, I'm like, when was the last time you watched the Muppet show from the 70s? Because that's not a kid's program. That's a family show based on what a family show was in the 70s. A family show doesn't exist anymore in that tone. It would be adult now because it was made for an adult audience. Jim never played the kids. Now if only that's, logic and reason would melt through motherfuckers like that no blood kidding. of the alien. No, because, because everybody, when, <laughs> they saw, when, they, when they heard adult, they went, oh, because they're meant, a lot of people's mental thought of the Muppets is Sesame Street. And they think kids. Jim would have been pissed because <laughs> he fought like most of his life to go puppetry is not just for children that's why we made dark crystal that's why we made labyrinth those are not really movies oh yeah there's there's there is so much stuff in the original muppet show that as a kid goes over your head right over my head and going back and watching that i'm like Damn, Jim, you cheeky motherfucker. <laughs> the, the one that I always, the, the easiest one that I always jump to is the Raquel Welch episode. Because if, if you've not seen that one recently, try and find it. I don't remember if it's on one of the discs or not. It is. But I can't she, remember which season, but it is on she, this. 
well, it's one of the first three of them, but she's wearing like most of the episode, she's wearing like this thing that's cut down to her navel. There's a lot of cleavage on display. And there's a point where she's singing with Fozzie. And as an adult, I watch that where she kind of gives him this little hug. And I'm like, Frank Oz's hand is so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, as a kid, I just went, oh, this is this is nice because she likes Fozzie and Fozzie is nice. And this is cool. Yay. Everybody's happy now. And now it's just like all I can think of. Wow. Those are some big, big places for Frank Oz's hand to be. <laughs> They're just a bunch of hippies under there anyway. Yeah. No, they were like, that's cool. Whatever. We're... <laughs> Frank Oz is, I'm sure, a gentleman at that point. But he's like, he probably had to go. I'm not watching. You know, it was tingles. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> Kyle Welch, even now, is a very attractive woman. <laughs> so, you know, it was good times, I'm sure. They had a good times. But yeah, it's not just all kid jokes. You know, it never was. So, but people remember things the way they remember things because the memory cheats and the memory blurs things together and you forget things. And, and I've suffered from that myself just recently when we watched, we did our episode last week on Critters 3. Mm -hmm. We're just over the last few years, uh, <laughs> just the last few years of previously watching it. I'm like, watching it again for the show i'm like i thought i enjoyed this a lot more than i did before you know mm -hmm. uh, you know I, I caught a lot more things and there's other things from our childhood too that i think as my as i've mentioned on this episode on this show before and as my son coined it and i think it's a really great summary we look through things sometimes through rose-colored nostalgia yeah very much so. It is what it is. It, it's you remember the good parts and you forget the bad. You you remember that time because you enjoyed it back then. But people change over the years. I was the same way. I just revisited recently on Stranger Tides, which it's amazing. There's another pirates film coming out because it's been like six years since right. the last one. And I remember, and I I went back to my review when it first came out, and listening to myself, I'm like, okay, this is what I kind of thought of it. So I watched it again. I go wow, I've looked at this film differently now than I did even six years ago. You know, things change. Your fandom, I think, can change. And I think many people lose sight of that, that once you feel one way about something, by God, that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> well, when, and that goes, back, that goes back to what I said earlier, too, about, you know, they make movies for what they can make right now. Right. Because there's no long-term investment at that point. Where no. You can go... You know, hey, this may not hit right now. Well, you know, it, there, there, how many films do we watch that did not hit when they first dropped? Oh, yeah. You know, the whole concept of cult film is a movie that did not make any money when it first got released, pretty much. By mm -hmm. it. I, mean, it, it, I mean, going back to some of the 70s definitions of it or, or before that, cult movie was just a, a movie that a lot of people liked. So at that point, Wizard of Oz, you know... Um, and, you know, Psycho, those were all cult films because a lot of people liked them. There was a group that would go and watch them whenever they could because they weren't readily available. Once you get into the readily available time period, almost all cult film is something that just didn't make money at the time, wasn't appreciated. Right. Your, your um, Buckaroo Banzai's or, or what have you, you know, at that point where <laughs> they found your Austin Powers where they found an audience later on. Right. And you know, I, I fully admit, I when I was younger, I was very more animate about changes they made. And, you know, especially with the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are two prime examples for me. Very animate about those. Haven't visited those for years. Look forward to revisiting them. Um, but 
I think we forget too. These are fictional things, <laughs> right, Paul? These are fictional things. I mean, when it comes down to the very end with fandom, it is fictional stuff. And even though you've set this, nothing says it actually has to be that. And do you think maybe that's part of the core of the problem, Paul? Is is that you know this is a fictional stuff that has been created and who says you can't do something different? Uh, uh, that's a tough one for me because I, I live in the worlds that like, that's why partly why I write fan fiction Mm -hmm. and do fan art is because I enjoy living in the universe that was created. And to me, it's, it's my escapism. I, I get to live in that world for a little while. So to me, it actually is kind of real. And sometimes yeah, sometimes I have a stake in it. You know, I, I, uh, I'm very adamant about my Star Wars and, and my, you know, certain things that if they don't do it quite right, yeah, I can accept it because that's, that's the creator's vision, right? That's what they want to do. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's a really tough question for me. I just, I just don't think fa- fantasy and closed-minded should ever go together. Right. It, it, yeah. it, it doesn't just, make any sense. You know? but, Kind of to what Paul was for a lot of people it becomes a safe place to go. Yeah. So you have a lot, a lot of, uh, I like to joke that I know my people sometimes and a lot of geeks have that issue where they're looking for somewhere safe to be. They were bullied or whatever it was that, you know, that we found, you know, experienced on some level as a kid and they go because they understand this world. It is laid out in some ways very clearly. They have the Marvel handbook, so they understand how Spider-Man's powers work. And as soon as you start to tinker with that, it starts to destroy their safe place and the, or, or whatever you want to call it. The one place that made sense to them, because real life doesn't always, real life isn't fair real life but in that other place spider-man can always win and it's good and when you start tinkering with that you're tinkering with something very important to them so the comfort and familiarity is yes then i mean but but when it comes to like horror right i mean comfort's not what you want to do with people is it no (laughs) but there's a there's a a familiarity with it though yeah Yeah. because we know what to expect from freddy we know what to expect when jason we know how to beat them so that makes it okay and once you start taking away the, those means to beat them, to defeat that thing that scares you, what do you have left? It some starts to freak people they, out. Some people nature. have nothing. Yeah. The problem. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say about the horror thing is uh, I, I told this to one of my friends and I had blogged about it years ago that the, the secret to, to basically, uh, basically not showing fear is to be the scariest thing out there and, mm. and horror movies allow me to become that you know uh <laughs> there was a situation where some guy was trying to scare me and i i just ran past him and then i i just turned around all of a sudden screamed at the top of my lungs and ran toward him and he completely freaked out and he <laughs> never bothered me again well, there so, you go. And, you know, bringing your expectations in there uh, can add to that fear. I mean, can it can bring it can make the anxiety still happen because you know what you know more than the characters, and so you're mm-hmm. like you know yeah. the fear, the suspense yeah. can be generated from that. I guess I'm just it's like any of this other shit, man. It's what you personally bring into it, you right? Know, more so than anything else. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is, and I think the one thing that many we 
many people, including myself occasionally, you lose sight of, though, is the fact of nowadays, and we brought it up earlier, is the fact you have so much at your fingertips that you can find that should they make and you brought it up andrew star wars and no we we've kind of avoided that but star wars that's a whole another hour discussion but still people complained oh they made all this fanfic no longer canon no longer canon. the book's still there you you can there's people like me who don't give a fuck about any of that stuff you know we just we drive this the box office of the movies because we're just want to go see a good movie and we don't give yes, a shit. But, exactly. but you know, I mean, it, there's a certain point where you say it's canon. The stuff's still there. Fan fiction, no, it's not canon, but there's many people out there that enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, and it's still there though. So the 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 sure, okay, fine. They 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 made it legacy extended, whatever, for Star Wars, you know, and they're not exactly canon. You could still go back to those worlds and read them now. No, it might not be quote unquote official, but in this day and age, how much of that actually has any weight anymore? It it, it wasn't official then. The only way that yeah. it was official was because it was, you know, had the little Lucasfilm stamp on it. But right. it was always official until a movie decided it wasn't official anymore. Right. But it's still That's how there. I always understood that stuff. Yeah. It's still there. And I think with so much creative content out there right now, people making posters, people writing fan fiction, having it available to a huge audience, while canon might put a little more weight behind it, you still have those things available to you. And so in the end, why bully someone? Or bully something that may have changed what you expected because you can always go back to the familiar because it's available for you now mm-hmm. most of the time. It, you know, it is my approach to it and what I've uh, uh, come to think of, especially involving superhero films, but Star Wars as well and all these others is we still have that now. Ghostbusters, especially. Uh, people complained about, oh, the new Ghostbusters, you're ruining my childhood. Uh-huh. I used to use that many moons ago, and I realized how stupid I was with that phrase because nowhere did the new Ghostbusters crawl into the disc that's sitting on my shelf and change that fucking movie. <laughs> Listen to you say, fuck it. I know what you mean, man. It's like uh, I always say, I was like, oh, man, you know, this new version came out, this remake came out. My, new, my old one's still there. Like, open it up is fine, you know, and nothing, nothing happened to it. And also, what an insult to people that actually childhoods were ruined. Like, childhoods were ruined by things. They're like, hey, wait right. a minute, no. And and also, you're, if you're, if it takes a, if all it takes is a movie to ruin a childhood, shit wasn't that good. Truth. <laughs> I mean, in Star Wars, too, and even Star Trek now, I posted that article. People talk about social justice warriors. Oh, they've got, they feel the need to put these female characters. Oh, they're ruining this. I'm like, it's a fictional thing, and if you really want some material like that, there's plenty of other stuff out there you can go and visit and enjoy and read and stay within your world that is more familiar to what you're looking for. They're trying something new. Regardless of their motivation behind it, you have to take what they're presenting, and until you see more of it, try not to sit there and already, you know, now, Mark, where are you going to find white male heroes? 
I have no idea. We oh, just there's so with few the shortage that we have. I, mean, I know. You know they're, just they're just they are putting in. female heroes and things because there are more female geeks than there have ever actually been probably Thank in you. the history of what we know. Well, we'll actually, buy more movie tickets too, right? Damn in, right. In all honesty, I would argue even that fan base has always been there for the female genre. Right. It's just that now we're in a day and age now where they feel more comfortable showing that uh, joy, that love for a product, for a creative material yeah. property. They're feeling more comfortable now. I would argue there were just as probably many females before as there are now into these things. It's just they were afraid to because you even see it now. The backlash and, and the, the, the whatever of a massive group of individuals who think a certain way, just like with the films in general and what started kind of this whole uh, evening, and we'll wrap it up here, but, you know, <laughs> they've got a set way. Oh, this is the way it has to be. Times change. You know, it, it, people change, materials change, they should change. If things don't change, they get stagnant and and you lose creativity and opportunity. And I'm all for a larger fan base. And yes, there are more female characters in these things. But as Doc, you said, they've recognized now there is an audience that will relate and more importantly to Hollywood, pay money to go out and see <laughs> Or go out and pay the buy the product, um, you know. And yeah, I mean, people just need to take a step back, I think, and, and just look at it and go, yeah, times change, and I might not like that this is no longer canon, but I can still pick this up off my shelf, watch it, read it, whatever, listen to it, and it's still there. It I, hasn't changed. I, so I, what, I read at one point that the Young Justice cartoon was canceled because girls didn't buy toys. And I'm yeah. like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, if there's some executive at Warner Brothers that thinks that, that guy needs to get fired now. He's yeah. so behind the times. Andrew I know you, so many gals that buy toys. And yeah. Andrew, you you've posted on, you know, you you have uh, a young one, uh, a daughter, and you give great perspective on it because I raised boys, so I didn't, you know how difficult it is for you to find figures for some of these female characters that are in geek quote unquote product. Hey, I'll say this man as, as um, Guardians of the Galaxy, one of the most gigantic hit movies of the fucking year, right? Everybody loves it. Men and women alike, young and old went to see that movie and loved it. When it comes to the toys, you go to the store they have every single one but the female character. She's online order only. Well, that was part of the problem with Ray at first, too, for uh, Force Awakens. They said, oh, no, it was to try and hide the secret or something like that. And it's like they just didn't understand, I think, the demand for that. Nah, and, and I've been in the character. store and I've seen like a little boys over looking at the Barbies and seen their moms go like, no, no, no. Get up, go over here and look at Ninja Turtle. You know, <laughs> we got to we got to we. um you know, they they the example can can get set by like the toy industry, Hollywood, and all of them. They could change all of that shit if they wanted. Mm -hmm. to. Ninja Turtle needs somebody to fall in love with too. Let the kid get a Barbie and a Ninja Turtle. Why make him choose? I don't know, man. They but it's you know you they get their ideas from the shit that happened before. You True. know they get that right. familiar comfort thing. And that and that boils you know also to a a large vocal 
body of the fandom who speak out, you know, either with their dollars or whatnot. And the companies and whatnot go, oh, this is must be the majority when no, it's not. It's just that they're the most vocal of the group. But there's a whole nother uh, group of fandoms out there that I sometimes get lost because, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the companies who aren't aware of this, I think, yeah, are losing out. I, you know, I never told my kids you can't play with anything. And so my kid, in all honesty, my youngest had Polly Pockets. Okay. And sure. he, he had Polly Pockets because he liked the miniatures because they were really cool miniatures. I mean, you had figures, you know, guys and gal, little, little figures and little cars and shit. And you could change out outfits and, and clothing and, and components and shit. And he played with those right next to the old G.I. Joes I brought out. And his friend one time said, oh, are you playing with Polly Pockets? And he goes, I'll play with what I want. <laughs> I was with this, motherfucker. I was so proud of him at that point. because That's like, awesome. Yeah. It, you know, just like with fandom, if someone is enjoying something, let them. If, if somebody wants to do something different, let them. You have the opportunities to go out and find the stuff that you're most comfortable with, and you can stick to that if you want. Okay? <laughs> Aiden. Yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up tonight. Um, it's gonna be okay, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> just, uh, well, no. It, one more thing. I know we're going a little long tonight, and I didn't quite expect it, but I did. I, I, I guess part <laughs> I of did this, part of this uh, uh, fired me up was the whole thing with. Oh, uh, and I I, I want to bring it up, and I'm not bringing it up just because uh, it it is relating to the topic. You see what happens with the fandom, with the whole situation with Zack Snyder. Mm. And I feel horrible for his family, for what they're going through. But the comments that you've seen, that I've saw, I'm sitting here going, this is supposed to be the geek community. This is supposed to be the tolerant community. Uh, Glenn, have you seen some of the comments that they made since Zack stepped away? Oh, my God. I I don't normally advocate the wholesale slaughter of people. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's it's there's there's a difference between wanting someone else to make a movie and rejoicing in the fact that someone is off a movie because of probably you know one of the. Well, not one of, because of the worst thing that can happen to a parent. Right. I mean, I, I can't think of anything. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine there's anything worse for a parent than to lose a child. And even more so to lose a child to suicide. Um, because, you know, you you know, he's sitting there going, you know, what could I have done? Mm -hmm. As you know, and, and that's terrible. And to say anything other than um, absolutely, man, take care of your family. Right, you know the the movie the movie can can exist outside of all of that. You don't need to worry about that. You've got more important shit to deal with. Deal with what you need to deal with. Yeah, the people who are like, yeah, finally we can get a good movie. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I was even fuck you to the people that were like, you know, regardless of what I think of his films, this is horrible. Like, what the fuck does the movie got to do with it right now, man? Have a heart, would you? Don't say yeah. shit. Yeah. Say you're sorry. Say you know. Say this sucks. What you know, but don't. Was, oh man! But you know, a lot of that's just the internet for you, man. I know. Well, I know, and and that's 
you know, what we've kind of <laughs> leaned to for this whole conversation is, is, is some of the problem with the fandom is, is the internet and that technology out there. Paul, have you seen some of those comments? I have not actually. Your, your Facebook post about mm-hmm. it was the first time that I had heard about it. Well, honestly, yeah. Well, if, if, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. I, I have a couple here. Okay. Because, oh, sweet Jesus. Sorry. I, I, uh, I'm afraid that's all. Well, this kind of goes along with what uh, uh, Andrew was saying. I'm bracing. Okay. Here we go. First one says, I'm sorry for Zach's loss. Okay, great. Y- y- Sounds good so far. But no. We have an additional. Josh Whedon fucking sucks, though. I hope he doesn't turn JL into a friggin' comedy show. Wow. <laughs> but someone's dead. But an awful thing has happened. Here, here, Here's another one. He's literally just been pushed out of the DCEU. Read between the lines, you idiots. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's the worst one, oh, and no. this is the okay. one where I had to actually close my browser and walk away because I wanted to start doing a internet trolling for this individual and find <laughs> them and flame them. I'd kill myself too if my dad put out those crappy movies. It's kind of an obvious thing for them to to yeah, say. Kind you of, know, it's probably yeah, not the only person of. that's made that. No, that or something similar. Well, no, but I, that's the these people oh. need to watch Bambi more. <laughs> Snyder is one thumper. Creepy. Thumper, Snyder's- listen to thumpers. Yeah. You, know. <laughs> you can't say something nice. Don't say something at all. Just shut up. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you need to air it in front of people. <laughs> well, Snyder shut is one up. creepy dude. At least now he won't be able to ruin any more DC movies. The- this is the geek f- fandom, Paul. Is this the geek fandom that's supposed to be? No, I don't think so. I think this is this is a small few. the The last one even could sound it to me potentially could have been someone that didn't know the other half of the story. Just found out that that Zack Snyder was gone from a the thing. A lot of them aren't reading it. That's true. A lot of them are, are just reading the headline, and that's even what's yeah. worse. Yeah, and, and that's part of the problem with with a fandom thing, and and also too, it it's it's the way that we are now wired for the for Facebook and internet. It's all about quick sound bites because your attentions are so small, and and that's and then people have to cram in five or six different thoughts, and you know where it was before we could write articulately and we could we could write paragraphs of how we felt. And it probably wouldn't have sounded as uh, is, is you know without tact that that a lot of these <laughs> things have because yeah. it really does sound like a very horrible thing, but it is also possible that if if they would have taken the time to write something uh, more meaningful and and what they really thought, it might have been uh, you know it might have sounded different. It, it just it, but what I listened to, my goodness, I I could understand your outrage for that. I mean, geez. Hey. Some but, of I mean, it's that, and some of it's just you, we don't have time to go into and read everything because there right, is yeah. so, so much, much everything. So you kind of go, you re, you know, a lot of people react to what little they read, and they don't have detail, and they don't mm-hmm. look deeper, and they don't have the time or the interest, and they just go, this is the worst thing ever, or yay, good thing, because but, somebody's dead, you know, whatever. You know, so that's horrible, what we should horrible. base our production decisions and on, the, the, the right. reactions of everybody that are so <laughs> articulate and smart and right. well-read. Fuck yeah. Boom. 
And Andrew just wraps it all up. Thank you. Yes, he did. He wrapped it up nicely. And we will wrap it for a close because we could probably keep going on this conversation. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed our conversation, got something out of it, or at least a little bit of perspective. We weren't maybe necessarily trying to, you know, uh, specify an exact point outside of the fact that our fandom and things change over the years. and, And who owns it? Well, maybe everybody does in a certain aspect, but also the creator should be the one who makes the decisions and, and whether or not you like it or not, you know, that's the risk the creator takes with things, but they need to take risks. Otherwise we just get a stagnant pond of the same, I think. And yeah. So hope you gleaned something from this conversation tonight. Uh, I appreciate every single one of our crew members in this room for joining me for this interesting topic that definitely there's a lot of room for even more discussion. Uh, And I want to thank them. And this is the part now where we can go down the line and you can find out where all these very talented and very intelligent individuals are when they're not sitting here yapping with me. So Glenn, go ahead. Uh, you can find me on Facebook with the Beamy Bunker and the Andy Bunker Productions. You can also find me on YouTube with Katie Bunker Productions and Beamy Bunker. You can find me on Daily Bunker. You can find me on my gaming podcast, which is Adventure Party on GNCast.com, or just follow me on Twitter at Katie Bunker. Awesome. Andrew? Hey, Gonzorific.com, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. Me and my friends make crazy-ass movies in Athens, Georgia. You can also rent some of them on Amazon On Demand if you like, I don't know, boobies, monsters, monsters, boobies, butts, lesbians, chainsaws, that kind of stuff, (laughs) fart jokes. But uh, I do want to say to everybody that's all stuck in the 80s and thinks that's like the devil for everything, you know who the fuck you are? Your Uncle Rico, man, from Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) Everything went to shit when we started, like when we stopped taking action figures out of the package. Nice. Actually, that should be a t-shirt right there. Take it out and play with it? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a different t-shirt. The action figure line. That 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 one. No, uh, just the 1982 movie. from Uncle Rico. There you go. I, I could put, put them football over those mountains. <laughs> and Paul, where can they find you at, sir? Uh, for podcasts and reviews by me, you can check out ForsakenFilmReviews.com as well as the Astro Radio Z Network. And you can also learn about the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival at New Horror Fest. That's NewHorrorFest.com. Awesome. And Octavius. Okay. Last weekend, I got to participate in the night, uh, the 2017 Wisconsin Regional Burley Picks, and I didn't win anything. But my friend Aurora Allure got third place overall for all of Wisconsin for her singing, and that's pretty cool. And next year, 2018, is going to be awesome because we're getting the regionals and the nationals in Wisconsin. But beyond that, the next place you can see me is uh, Shakespeare Raw at Best Place at uh, 901 West Juno Avenue, where we'll be doing the Comedy of Errors, which is hopefully pretty funny because it's, it's, the, it's the Shakespearean play where Shakespeare did the joke of two people looking the same twice. So it'll be pretty ridiculous, and you should come see it. It's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in June, and I forgot I didn't say the dates, and I closed my phone. That was stupid. <laughs> it's uh, Monday, June 12th through Wednesday, June 14th at uh, 7.30 p.m., and it'll be ridiculous. And if you can't 
get down to best place for that at least go check out the boozy bard productions page where we on facebook where we post videos and things and you can get an idea what stupidity we get up to awesome and we appreciate every single one of you joining us in the spoiler room tonight i appreciate it very much it's been a very interesting conversation and i hope you listeners found out too please subscribe uh like and comment us on itunes you can also find all these fine folks and uh some archives of the spoiler room on specialmarkproductions.com i thank each and every one of you and now say good night gentlemen Good night, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. Good night, you Uncle Rico like motherfuckers. <laughs>